glad you're here, glad you made the effort to be here. I want to encourage you to, to plan on being here, to commit to being here, but also invite somebody to join you uh, every single week. This isn't near enough people. we got a whole other half of the gym, and so I want to encourage you to invite somebody to join you uh, when you come to our Thursday men's lunch. Today we're going we're gonna to resume our study of, of great men of the Bible. Uh, we are in the fifth week, and really the last week, looking at... Uh, the life of Abraham, who is called the man of faith. What a tremendous title that he has. And this, again, will be our fifth week, our last week looking at him. Next week, we're going to move to Moses, and we'll spend five weeks looking at the life of Moses. Uh, so far in this study, we've seen some pretty uh, tremendous things. We've seen the call of Abraham, how God calls him to leave everything that he did know and go to a land that he didn't know. And he calls him uh, because he knows who God is and he's, he, he's understood who God is to walk in obedience. And we see his tremendous response. He actually leaves his father, leaves his future, leaves his homeland, and he travels and he goes to the place that God tells him to go. And so we see a tremendous act of obedience. Then if you remember the second week, we see where this man of radical faith that week, uh, this week he fails miserably. He messes up. He, he really just blows things all to pieces. And we see how this guy that is a man of great faith, great obedience, at the same time is a man just like us. And really uh, we see there and we can take hope uh, that we have the same potential that he had. Uh, we can bring as much glory to God and we can serve the cause of God as much as he did. And now, all these thousands of years later, we still remember the name of Abraham. You know what? He was a man who sinned like us, who failed the way we do, and we have that same potential. That's, that's a tremendous thing. Uh, then in the third and fourth week, we saw a huge truth, and really it was building in the third week, and then we saw it last week with the covenant that, that God makes uh, with Abraham in the fourth week, but we see this, this huge truth that it really isn't about Abraham, and that's what we're going to see all the way through these studies. It's really not about Abraham. Uh, it's really not about us today. It is really about God and his faithfulness. And in these, the lives of these men, in these episodes, uh, we look at these men, we see the days of their lives, but we keep coming back to God and saying, you know what? He is faithful. He is trustworthy. And all these things are about God uh, really at the core. We saw in those weeks, uh, the, the third and fourth week, that Abraham was saved and we're saved uh, not because we are good, uh, not because we get good. Some folks hope, you know what, if I can, if I can reach some level of some sort. Uh, not because we do good things, but we're saved in the power of God by a gracious God by faith alone. And we see in, the, in that episode that, that the book of Genesis says Abraham's faith was reckoned to him, was counted to him as righteousness. He is declared right with God, not because of what he did, not because of his obedience. Uh, he's declared right with God because of his faith. Well, in the book of Ephesians, we see that we're saved through faith, uh, not of any work of man, lest we would boast. And so the same way, he is made right with God, we are made right with God because he is gracious, because he is powerful enough to save, and because of faith alone. Really, again, it goes back, it's all about God. That brings us to this fifth week, this fifth episode in the life of Abraham. We're going to look at that today. And really, as I, as I go through uh, last week, very tremendous things, the covenant that, that God makes with Abraham. Uh, but maybe today for us, uh, this is probably the most familiar account 
but maybe the most astounding account. And when you actually read the account, you understand this is an actual account. This is a historical, factual account. And you read what is transpiring, what is going on. Really, this may be the most astounding thing that we see in the life of Abraham. Today, I'm going to go ahead and read the account. It's in Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read the first 12 verses. I'll read the account, and then we'll go back and pull some things out of those verses. So today, Genesis chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, and I'm going to read down to verse 12. It says this. Now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. Listen to that. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Not go and offer a burnt offering, offer him as a burnt offering. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there. And we, listen to this, we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He's going to carry the load. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. In the burnt offering, they would take the lamb, they would slice its throat, they would kill the lamb, and then, and then parts of the lamb would be offered up to God in the burnt offering. He takes the knife and he takes the fire, and there they walk on together. Verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father... And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. All right, we're going to look at our, our, our verses today. We're going to break some stuff out of that. Notice there in verse 1, as we, as we start to look at the account, it says, God tested Abraham. He tested Abraham. The word tested here in the, in the Hebrew, in the, in the original language, means to prove or to try. If you were to take uh, some gold and you were to, to burn it out and refine it, and you would, you would prove that it was pure gold. That's, that's the idea. He is testing, he is proving, he is trying Abraham. He puts Abraham to the test. Now, understand this, see this today. He is testing. Well, here's, here's Abraham. He's, he's going to be tested by God. 
He is testing his trust in God. He is testing his love for God. He is testing his commitment to God. All of those things. He's going to test Abraham. Those are the things that he's testing for. Do you trust God? Do you love God? Are you truly committed to God? And all of those things, listen very carefully, all of those things, in fact, those things are inseparable from his obedience to God. And we need to see that very, very quickly as we start off. Your love for God is shown in your obedience to God. Do you understand that? Your love for God, as you sit here today, his back then, your love for God is shown, is revealed in your love for God. Your commitment to God. You can talk big. You can say all these things. Your commitment to God is revealed in your obedience to God. Your trust in God is revealed in your obedience to God. You can come up here and say, you know what? I trust God, and I've been listening to God, and I trust him. Listen, your trust in God is fully revealed in your obedience to God. Here's what I've determined. If we want to live lives, and here, here we are today as followers of Jesus Christ, if we want to live lives that point to God, if we want to live lives that matter to the cause of Christ, to the cause of God. Sometimes they think, you know what, I'm just working a job and I'm just getting through these days and getting to the next episode and I don't know how this matters. Listen, if you want to live a life that matters to the cause of God, if you want to have an eternal impact, it will be done by walking in radical obedience. And that's what I believe and that's what I've determined. You, you want to honor him? You want to do something in your life that matters? You want to carry an eternal impact that will go past a, a, a casket that shuts somewhere? It will be done by walking in radical obedience. Let me tell you something today. We have become a generation that talks a whole lot about our love for God. But we've also become a generation that's not marked by our obedience to God. And I don't, I don't know if you've noticed that. Man, we, we, we talk about we love God and we have the radio and we want to hear these songs and we, we post things on Facebook and we've become a generation that talks about we love God and we love God, but we're not a generation marked by obedience to God. What that means is we've decided we're going to tell God how it is. We're going to tell God what he can accept. We're going to tell God, you know what, you've said marriage is this. We're going to redefine it and operate like this. We've, we've decided, you know what, God, you've created a male and female. We're going to tell you, you know what, fluid is, gender is fluid today. We have decided that we want to proclaim our love for God, but we're not a generation marked by obedience to God. Well, in our verses today, I'm going to show you four things, four tremendous things about the obedience of Abraham. First thing we see is this. Abraham was quick in his obedience. Abraham was quick in his obedience. Listen to verses 1 and 2 again. Now it came about that after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I, verse 2. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Now, understand that is a crazy call. To, to go, go to a mountain and sacrifice your son, your only son, the son you love, this promised son. Take your son and offer your son 
in a sacrifice. That is a, that is a crazy call from God. Listen to verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Get this today. See this. Delayed obedience is not really obedience. Think about that for a second. Delayed obedience is not really obedience. When, when we come and say, well, God, I know that you've said this, but, but not, not, not today, not, not, not this soon. Well, I understand that you, you've said some things, Lord, but you know what? But uh, maybe, maybe I'll get to it later. Maybe, maybe I'll do it some other time. Maybe it's when I feel more comfortable in it. I, I'm going to grow in my walk, and when I feel more comfortable, then I'll, then I'll obey you. Or, or when I can see how this is going to end. I'm not sure how this is going to end, but if I can see how it's going to end, then I will obey you. Listen, that's not obedience. Obedience is when God says do it, you do it. Delayed obedience is not obedience. Even in this wild request, Abraham's quick in his obedience. He got up early the next morning, he saddled his donkey, and he launched off to be obedient to God. Obedience is quick. Obedience that's not quick is not truly obedience. The second thing we see here, Abraham is quick in his obedience. The second thing, Abraham is committed to his obedience. Abraham, listen, is committed to his obedience. God says, take your son, and notice that verse, the son that you love, his name, your boy Isaac. Take your son and sacrifice him. He says, he gets up early in the morning. Okay, that's what he's going to do. Notice, notice verse 4. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. It was a three-day journey to the mountain that God sent him to. Now, I want you to think about that. Think of all the time that he had to think on a three-day journey. It's 10 in the morning, and it's lunchtime, and we stop and fix us a little something to eat, and it's, it's 2 in the afternoon, and it's, it's 4 in the evening, and you know what? The sun's starting to set, and it's, it's 6.30, 6.45 in the evening. Think of all the time that he had to rationalize on a three-day journey. Surely, surely this is not what God would want. He, he made me a promise that my son would be, a, would be an heir and, a, and the, the founder of nations. Surely there's got to be a better way than this. Surely I misheard him. Maybe when we get there, we'll worship him. Maybe we'll, we'll catch a lamb or a goat and we'll use that instead. Think of all the time that he had to rationalize. Even think about the fact that, you know what, he could have said on a three-day journey, you know what, it's not worth it. You know what, I, I've got my son here, and as we've been walking, I look over and I see my precious son, and you know what, it's not worth it. That's not a sacrifice, God, I'm willing to make. Lord, I'm not going to do it. In those days, he could have looked at that son and said, you know what, in, in the second day, the third day, this is not a cost I'm ready to pay. But he takes the next step. And he takes the next step. And he takes the next step. And he is committed to his obedience. Men, let me tell you something today. Where we sit... We need to go ahead and make up our minds that because we know God and because we love God and because we trust God, 
we need to go ahead and make up our minds that we're going to be obedient. And, and let, me, let me just tell you, we shouldn't have to have a great evaluation every time that we hear God speak. We shouldn't have to say, what, am I willing to pay this cost? And is this really something I'm going to do? We shouldn't have to re-resolve every time that we hear God speak. And I think sometimes we think, you know what? I'm resolved to this and I've got this narrowed down, but now God has told me this and I have to re-resolve. Listen, we need to get to the point as men that if God has said it, I will do it. And I'm already pre-committed to doing that. We need to commit to obedience. Let me tell you something else while we're on that point. And here's, here's what we need today. We live in a squirrely day. Uh, we live in a messed up world. We live in a world where, where people are liars and you can't trust them. Uh, here's what we need today. Let me, let me just tell you what we need. We need men today that we don't have to wonder to what they're committed. You know what, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to say, you know what, when you test that guy, he's going to answer and he's going to do what God has told him to do. And we've tested him in the past and we've seen it in some hard times and we've seen it in some good times and he is committed to what God is going to do. And we don't have to wonder, is he going to shoot out the window somewhere? Is he going to snake out somewhere? This guy is committed to being obedient to God. We need men today that we know what they're committed to. When the test comes, they're going to walk with God. That was Abraham. He's committed to his obedience for three days. The next step and the next step and the next step, he could have turned to any point. He is committed to his obedience. Third thing we see in Abraham, he trusts in his obedience. He trusts in the midst of his obedience. Let me read verse six and seven. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife So the two of them walked on together. Verse 7. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Let 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 me be honest with you here. This walk had to hurt Abraham. This walk had to crush the heart of Abraham. He's walking with his son, and his son is carrying the wood for the altar. And in his hand, he has the, he has the knife, and he has the fire. And they're walking along, and I'm going to tell you, his heart has to be crushed. The son that he loves, the son that he takes great joy in, son that's probably, I think, about 12 years old at this time, they're walking along, and Abraham's heart has to hurt. He sees his son as they walk. Verse 8. The boy says, where is the lamb? I see the fire, I see the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse eight, and Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. God will provide the lamb, my son. And so the two of them walked on together. Here's the truth. Abraham trusted God. Abraham had confidence in God. No, he couldn't understand what was getting ready to happen. No, this didn't make any sense to him. No, this isn't the way that he would do it. If he was planning it, he would devise a different way, that's for sure. No, this isn't what he wanted to do. This wasn't what he thought he would do with his only son. Yes, his heart is heavy-hearted as he walks. Yes, it hurts, but he knew God and he trusted God, and so he presses on in obedience. 
get this, all of this, all of this, obeying God, trusting God, all of this only comes from knowing God. All of this only comes when you know God's trustworthy. You know what? He is trustworthy. All of this comes when you know God is wise. He's not going to make a mistake. He is wise. All of this comes when you know he is, he is powerful. He's mighty. He can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. There's nothing he can't do. All of this comes when you know he's just. He's absolutely just. He's righteous. He's going to do the right thing. In all situations, he'll do the right thing. You know what? You can obey and you can trust. You can love God when you know God. That's the issue to this whole account. He knew who God was. The last thing we see in his obedience, he was complete in his obedience. He was complete in his obedience. Listen as I start in verse nine. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Verse 10. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife back to slay his son. He pulls back the knife to kill his own son. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Verse 12. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Get this today. Obedience is all in. I think we've messed up what we think of obedience. Obedience is total. There's no, there's no really, there's no partial obedience. Partial obedience is not obedience. Obedience means there's nothing held back. There's nothing kept in reserve. There's no box back here that, you know what, if this fails, I can go back to that. Obedience means that everything is in. He knows God. He trusts God. He raises his hand up. I can't even imagine this. And he's willing to give everything to God. I think that was the test. I read this account. What was the test? I think that was the test. Do you love me? He could have said he loved him. Do you obey me? You know what? He's already followed to this land. Do you trust me? I've shown you that I've trusted you. I think this was the test. Will you give it all? Do you trust me with it all? I think that's the test. Do you, do you love me more than all? Do you love me more than anything else? Or will you hold something back? I think that's the point of this. Or will you hold something back? Oh, listen, that we would be men today, that we would know God like that. You know, the greatest thing is if we knew God like that, that we would trust God like that. You know what? I trust you, and if I can't understand it, but if I'm sure that's what you said, that I'm going to be obedient. God, you're everything to me. I give everything to you. I obey you with everything. Oh, that we would be men like that, holding nothing back. His obedience was quick. His obedience was committed. His obedience was confident. He trusted God. His obedience was complete. He held nothing back. Now, honestly, I could end right there. And maybe I should end right there, but I'm not going to end right there. Because I want you to see this. And I think it's more glorious than all of that, as, as awesome as that was. Don't miss this. 
Do you see in this account a foreshadowing of the cross of Jesus Christ? He carries his own wood to the altar. Do you see the foreshadowing? Do you see what it says? I want you to see this. There is a father who gave his son. It wasn't Abraham. There was a father that had an only begotten son, a beloved son, a son in whom he was well pleased. And that father draws back the knife. But this time the knife is not stilled. When Isaac says, where's the lamb, dad? I want to tell you, those words start all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And those words run all the way to the cross of Calvary. Where's the lamb, dad? We need a lamb, dad. I've seen this process. There's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Where's the lamb, dad? We're going to worship. Where's the lamb, dad? I see your knife. Where's the lamb, dad? Abraham says, son, God's going to provide the lamb, but I don't, I don't see the lamb. We're looking around. We're not going to be able to worship without a lamb. There's no fellowship without a lamb. Where's the lamb, dad? In the book of John, Jesus walks over the ridge down into the Jordan River Valley. And the Bible says, John the Baptist, listen to these words. John the Baptist is baptizing there, a baptism of repentance. And he's there in the Jordan River and he looks up and I bet you can hear the echo all these years later as it comes down into that valley. Where's the lamb, dad? Where's the lamb? We need a lamb. We're gonna perish without a lamb. And John the Baptist looks up and he sees Jesus of Nazareth top the hill. And what does he say? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. God provides the Lamb. What an awesome picture. What an awesome Savior. God provides the Lamb. Listen to verse 14. And Abraham, can you imagine the worship in his heart? Can you imagine the intensity of the worship in his heart? And Abraham called the the name of that place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. We have a lamb named Jesus. Let me tell you something, man. If you're here and you've never put your faith in the lamb, Make today that day. If you've never understood, you know what? There's a, there's a need for a lamb for you today. There is no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin outside of the lamb, Jesus Christ. Make today that day. We have the forgiveness of sin in the lamb which taketh away the sins of the world. Praise God, he provides the lamb. I'm gonna ask if you'll stand, please. Glad you're here today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for this, this explanation, this picture of obedience. Lord, I pray that we would know you, that we would grow in our knowledge of you, that we would grow in our trust of you, that we would want to heap glory upon you. We'd want to walk with you. And I pray that in the men in this room, it would show up in obedience. That if you've led it, we're going to follow it. If you've said in your word, this is how we respond in our marriage. This is how we respond in our finances. This is how we respond in our hearts, in our attitudes. That we'll be quick about it. That we'll be committed to it. That we'll be confident that the word of God is going to stand. And we will be complete in it, holding nothing back. Lord, help us to be obedient men like that for your glory. And then more than anything today, I'm thankful for the Lamb of God, Jesus, my Savior. Lord, I pray for someone here that doesn't know Jesus. Lord, I pray that in this day, in this hour, 
that the barriers will be removed and today they would put their faith in you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray if there's questions that we would settle them on this day. And then I pray as we leave this lunch, that as we walk out as men who know the Lamb of God, we would understand our world will perish outside of that knowledge that we would be ambassadors of the good news of that Lamb. Lord, help us in that. Use us in that. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.